0: Type 1 diabetes, also known as juvenile diabetes, is a chronic condition in which the pancreas produce less or no insulin. Insulin is a hormone which is needed by the body to allow glucose to enter cells to produce energy. Some of the most common symptoms may include frequent urination, increased thirst, and unintended weight loss, etc. Hi, I'm your host, Roman. And Joining me in a conversation all the way from Karachi, Pakistan, is Aisha Omer-Chapra. Aisha, she is a freelance illustrator based in Karachi, Pakistan. She got diagnosed with diabetes in 2007, and since then, she wants to put down all the stigmas that people have about it. Also, she and her brother, who is also diabetic, are ambassadors of Sanofi Pharmaceuticals, and they are doing their best to fight any myths that people hold about it. So without any further ado, let's bring in Aisha. So hi, Aisha. Thank you so much for being a part of my podcast. How are you today?
1: I'm good, I'm good. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. So the first question I want to start with is like, how old were you when you first got diagnosed with diabetes? And uh, what were some of your warning signs?
1: It first started, I believe, uh, when I was nine years old, and the symptoms that basically occurred were increased thirst, uh, frequent urination, and uh, let's just say my body weight was dropping rapidly, like it was not even at a normal rate, especially it was pretty abnormal, in my opinion. And what happened was that by the time my weight was taken, it was around maybe Probably 30 or 25 kilograms because some of them I'm not quite so sure about the details, but I do remember one thing is that when I was admitted into the hospital in the emergency, uh, the doctors had to take uh, my glucose level, and my glucose level was 985. So, technically, okay. going above that could have left me comatose, but let's say God had other plans for me and It was at that point, uh, the doctors had diagnosed that I have type one diabetes and it's going to take some time for my sugar level to come down to normal, but my whole routine will be completely different once I am discharged from the hospital. So you can only imagine that my life, you know, being a nine-year-old, I'm supposed to be having fun and I'm supposed to be, you know, enjoying myself as a child turned to regular hospital visits and insulin shots and uh, checking my glucose level every once in a while so
0: yeah that's how it happened so 985 which is mind-boggling right yes
1: because because the normal sugar level of a normal person is uh, 80 to 126 however if you are above 126 then you can consider it borderline diabetes
0: so you mentioned that you were admitted, you being admitted to the ICU. Talk to me more about that.
1: When I was admitted into the ICU, the only thing I could remember was that I'm being taken in a stretcher and, uh, I mean, my parents were with me, but the doctors were saying that, you know, we need to put the solution, we need to do this. But at that time, I was also very conscious of what was what I wanted. So And I was so thirsty that I kept screaming, okay, I want juice, I want something, I want soda, I want something to, you know, like quench my thirst. So... As soon as uh, that happened, they took my sugar level, and then my driver came with the juice and whatever. But the doctors had immediately stopped and said that no, you can't give her anything right now. Her sugar level is very high. So at that time, no one had any idea what was going on, and my parents, especially, you know, me being the firstborn and you know me being the eldest daughter, just it just completely happened, and and it was Mm -hmm. so unpredictable that. They had no idea what was going on. And it was so scary for both my parents because, you know, for their child to be admitted into the ICU with, you know, a sugar level Mm -hmm. that high, they didn't know what was going on. So my family doctor, who is very near and dear to my heart, he uh, approached my parents and he just calmly explained to them that uh, Beta, uh, listen, my children, uh, your daughter has type 1 diabetes. So now it's time to, you know, get educated on this subject and you need to just you know stay calm I understand this is very 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 traumatizing especially in your child at this age but you need to understand that you need to be careful and he explained everything like properly to my parents and -hmm. regarding my situation regarding my age he said don't say anything right now let's first calm her down And let's see how she responds to the new medication and everything. So 10 days, I was in the ICU. And uh, after 10 days, discharge happened. And uh, I was taken home. But life back home from the hospital was a bit awkward for me. Because I was just getting used to this new routine. I thought I had a flu. I thought I had a very bad flu. So that's why the doctors were giving me injections. And they were taking my blood samples and whatnot. So I didn't know exactly what was happening to me because, you know, coming home and getting up in the morning and then having breakfast. But before breakfast, I have to have an insulin shot, which I did not know. I thought, you know, it was just temporary. But I'm I'm a nine
0: year old. I don't know what was going on with me. Exactly. This was my next question to you. So at this tender age, did you have any knowledge as to what was what was happening?
1: Absolutely not. I had absolutely no knowledge of what was going on with me because everything was just hush hush and they Mm -hmm. just didn't want to scare me and I went and how I found out was is quite a funny and interesting story. My parents decided to take me shopping one day to a local supermarket and over there I they let me choose my first bar of sugar-free chocolate and as I as soon as I picked the bar, I looked at the label. I said, I can have sugar-free things. That's great. But what does this label say? So I looked at the label and the label said suitable for people with diabetes. Right. Okay. So I asked, I asked my mother, Ami, do I have diabetes? And she said, yes, you have diabetes. And when I looked up on it, I was like, do I have like some kind of weird disease? Like a mm-hmm. weird uh, 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 flu that's not going away so I went home uh, and I went on my computer and I started you know doing research on what diabetes is so one thing led to another I got to do some extensive research on what this condition is and why this is happening so you could say that you know people get that closure at a very late time but for me I got it quite early like you know what was happening to me especially in my situation so the closure that I got you know in the matter of accepting that this is going to be in my life from now on so and I have to live with it it came very early to me so after doing some research and seeing some inspirational stories I said okay if this is going to be part of my life I'm I guess I'm fine with it so I accepted it at that at that year at that age like it was it was pretty quick because I understood my situation and I understood what my parents must be going through because you know having to divert so much attention to me because I have two other siblings as well. But I always told my parents, like, you know, don't just pay attention to me. Give equal attention to my siblings. I'm, I'm fine. I can handle it. I can take care of myself. I'm not a child. So that's, this is a nine-year-old girl telling her parents this.
0: I can only imagine a nine-year-old girl saying this to her mother. And, you know, how did the acceptance come? Did it come with a pinch of denial or let's say with a pinch of salt?
1: Not really. I was not in denial because I knew for a fact that if this was going to like, you know, I made sure that it did not affect my life one one way or another. I made sure that it did not affect me negatively. But there were mm-hmm. some times that I had my ups and downs, like I had to limit myself, like not me, mostly my parents were telling me to limit myself, you know, like, for example, I was just getting used to this condition. And overall, I had many cousins who were having sleepovers, but I couldn't go and sleep over to their house because I was not aware of what, you know, what, what insulin is and what I have to do in order to, you know, stay completely normal. So my mother and my father would have to decline the uh, invitations like, you know, she can't come because she's still mm-hmm. getting used. To it. And those times were pretty tough on not just me, my siblings as well, it would affect them as well. Like, Just because you have it, why do we have to be, you know, involved in this? So it took a pretty, pretty bad uh, toll on me. Like I said, why did it happen to me? That's, that's the denial thing. Like I was questioning it. Like, why did it happen to me? Why did it happen to me? And it was a pretty emotional moment for both me and my mother, because Mm -hmm. we were coming to terms of, you know, accepting this condition that, you know, ha, it's like this it's going to be like this you have to change everything you have to you know monitor everything so I guess that's how it is so yeah you could say little pinches of salt and little salt rubbing salts in the wound it it kind of did exactly,
0: exactly so as a nine-year-old you were going to school so how was school for you after that one fine day you know when you were diagnosed with diabetes and how did you I want to know this how did you you know uh, manage diabetes while going to school
1: it took me a while to first, after I was discharged, it took me a while to get used to my new routine. Because getting up, having to put my insulin, checking my sugar level, and then having to see, you know, monitor what I'm eating. it That became a daily routine. But school was off the table at that point, because it had to take me some time to get used to my new routine. And going to school, which meant I'd have to, you know, be in a way somewhat uh, independent, because... I'm going to a school, I will be with other people, I will be with teachers. So I have to, in a way, tell my teachers that, yeah, I have this condition. So in case something happens to me in class, I have to be allowed to eat something. So my sugar level does not drop any further. So it skip a few years later, I am now um, 11 and I am admitted into the sixth grade. And it was there, I got used to the idea of, yeah, I'm in a new school. I am with people who know about this condition. And I guess, yeah, I can, I can be comfortable with it. I can be comfortable telling people about it. Just little baby steps, not like too much. So every other class I had, I would tell my teacher that I'm the new student. I have this condition. And if I'm allowed, can I, you know, if can I have something to eat if I'm allowed in class? which kind of became like you know an annoyance for most of my classmates you know because uh-huh, you know uh-huh. why the class and why uh, why is it like you know it's it's really annoying how is it possible and everything so yeah it, it was kind of like that it was not let's just say it was an okay start but then later on it became uh, a hindrance for others
0: so were your classmates well aware of what the condition is
1: they were not
0: uh, also when i told them that Mm
1: -hmm. when I told them diabetes they would take the word dia and because they assumed that oh my god I might have some kind of deadly disease like you know am I going to die diabetes so it was like that but then I had to educate them like no it's not like that it's just that a part of my body is not working and to help combat that uh, I could sorry help com- compensate for that I have to take alternatives that are insulin injections or insulin pens to make sure that uh, my sugar levels are perfectly fine that's how it they is. only
0: they only misconstrued it right mm-hmm. yes they did so and what about your teachers were they informed of your condition
1: they were very informed and very educated about my condition so they knew exactly what to do in case mm-hmm. my sugar level were, you know not normal and there were times that you know they would uh, uh, be okay with it but then sometimes they would it's like you know ah, she's got it it's okay they treated me like I'm a normal student they didn't give me any special treatment I was oh, treated yeah. like everyone else I was just a normal girl I just have this little in bug in my system that kind of messes with my brain, kind of messes with my immune system. So I have to be very careful and they have to be very well aware of what, what is happening.
0: So uh, when we talked during the discovery call, you mentioned that, you know, uh, you received a lot of bullying with regards to diabetes. Can you, so we mm-hmm. were actually, because we are coming to the mental health aspects. So can you really expand on that? You know, what, uh, could you recall, recall a few incidents back then, from back then?
1: this happened uh, this one incident it took place uh, it was during a break and my mother this before the bullying happened my mother would come to school every day and then uh, and she would stay outside on the school grounds and when it was time for break for recess mm-hmm. she would come to the classroom she would take my sugar level and if she didn't have a tissue on her or anything to clean the blood off she would use just you know hair because that's a very love. It's a loving gesture. She's my mother. Obviously, yeah. even if there's, even if it's something completely uh, uh, disgusting, she'll still do it. Because by the end of the day, she's my mother, and she's she's she sacrificed a lot for for all of us. So, a couple of girls noticed that you know that this was happening. So they started spreading unusual rumors about me that oh maybe her family might be you know unclean that she can't they can't oh. afford tissue they can't afford you know to take baths are they that shallow that they can't even give her a packet of tissues that they have to resort to using their body to clean you know like little traces of blood and this is just a tiny spot of blood it's nothing big but still they want to they went to went ahead and escalated the situation and so after that um, my time with most of my clients, uh, so classmates was uh, limited like you know, some of them were not exactly, you know, close with me. Some of them would yeah. scoot their seats to the side, you know, because I they called me, they called me unclean. And yeah. they were, you know, they just they just didn't want to be near me. So, but there were a couple of classmates who were not in favor of what those girls were doing. And they were saying that, you know, it's wrong, you can't do that. But as usual, they're the bullies. So rather mm-hmm. than get picked on they just you know keep quiet so one incident like um, this bullying happened was uh, this it was a rather extreme because uh, I asked one of my classmates if I could borrow some of her color pencils because I was you know drawing in class and that was my only only thing that kept me you know calm I was and that was my only and that was my favorite thing to do I love drawing and there were a few of my classmates who appreciated my drawings. They're like, oh, your drawings are so good. You're so good at art. And I said, uh, thank you. Thank you. And that the, the little encouragements that mattered to me. But uh, one of the girls who started the rumors about me saw me come across her side of the desk and she saw me touch her school bag and she got so upset. She just screamed and I ran back to my seat and pretended like, you know, it didn't happen. But. As usual, she and along with her friend, they got their things and they attacked me. They started throwing their things about on me. Their books, their oh pencil cases, their uh, lunches, lunch boxes. Not, uh, I didn't get anything too, uh, like you know, I didn't get any dirt on me or whatever. But the way the force that they were using on me, you know, throwing the items on me, it was, it was just so bad, and it was enough for me to realized that this is something wrong I don't like it and I don't Mm -hmm. like it when people touching me without my consent so the volcano inside of me erupted and I just screamed I ran to my principal and luckily he was there I hugged him and he was just you know trying to calm me down because I was having fits and I was crying and my vice principal was walking Outside the faculty room, and she saw me and she said, Aisha, what's happened? So I told her that what's been happening to me. I told her that no one wants to be my friend, no one wants to talk to me, and I don't know what to do. So one thing led to another. She decided to go ahead and take matters into her own hands. She went up to those girls, scolded them, and she told them in front of me that if I hear another thing from this girl, If I hear anything else from Aisha about you too, I will make sure you're both suspended. So the bullying stopped, but in a way all throughout, like from sixth grade till ninth grade, the the little, little things, the little bullying incidents still continued. Like they would pick on me for no reason. Mm -hmm. I had, I have so many interests that are pretty foreign to them. Like I loved learning languages, especially Asian languages. I love the Asian culture. And so I would spe- I would learn- go and take Mandarin classes. I loved to, you know, learn Japanese. And uh, Japanese uh, animation is my ultimate favorite. But as usual, they would label me like, you know, oh, she's so childish. She only likes cartoons. Oh, and they used to call me Chini Japani because my hairstyles oh. would sometimes, you know, label the Asian hairstyles, but that was, that was what I liked. I wasn't trying to mimic them or anything. But and they would, you know, mock me with the way that you would the way I talk in Mandarin and stuff like that. So, yeah, but all throughout, uh, let's just say all throughout high school, it was not it was not easy for me. And but I had a few couple of friends who were like there for me, who understood that what was happening to me was wrong. Mm -hmm. They were big and we had our own separate group. So, yeah, that's how it is.
0: So it was really hard for me, and I'm so sorry that you had to go through so much.
1: Um, they were. Um, in uh, the thing is that I look at those girls, and I see to myself that I am in a much, much better position because, in a way, they made me strong. But I learned not to take anyone's. Uh, pardon my language, but I'm not. I've learned not to take anyone's bullshit. I don't take oh, anyone's. Yeah. <laughs> don't take anyone's nonsense, I am, uh, if you want to talk about your problems, sure, I'm willing to listen, but if you want to involve me in your problems, I'm sorry, I'm not the person you want, to, I'm not the person um, that's going to deal with it, because this is your problem, not mine, mm-hmm. and surprisingly, surprisingly, six years later, this is after I got transferred from my school, I decided that, in, my, my mother and I decided that, you know, ninth grade wasn't uh, for me because I wasn't able to cope with my studies so what happened was that uh, there was another option I could take my private exams Mm -hmm. through the metro I could take my private exams and I could get an admission to another school but the only other available school was a college and it was an all-girls college so going there and being involved with a crowd that is not co-education but just you know the single sex school it became my haven, it became my safe place, I could be myself, and I had so many girls over there who were really nice to me. And in a way, they became my guardian angels. They would look out for me. They would, you know, ask me, are you okay? Are you, you know, ha- are you having your moment? Is it that time of the day? Do you want us to get you anything? I said, I'm fine. I'm fine. And we had our own separate group. We would discuss very, we, and we had like very educational uh, topics to talk about. Like We would talk about books. We would talk about medicine. We would talk about all the things that, you know, interest us so yeah i but the thing was that some of the girls that i was friends i was, I was friends with were from a different uh, uh, faculty like i was in the fine arts faculty and they were in the science faculty so i was in fine arts but overall uh, my friendship with them was pretty good and my experience in another school getting the confidence and uh, trying to you know being able to stand up for myself and you know being able to protect myself that school that sorry that college molded that into me because the teachers were also very considerate and they were very encouraging and they always you know pushed me to do things that I thought I never thought I would so Mm -hmm. you can imagine that uh, six years later those bullies actually apologized to me they okay actually they apologized to me they said Aisha all those things we did to you back in school i'm very very sorry for that and i just looked at her and i said you made it possible
0: exactly. you made me exactly you made
1: and that was when i realized i got the closure that i always wanted i got that closure that yes justice is on my side i got the justice i wanted
0: so Aisha, going back to the time when you entered into puberty and you got your periods. So tell me how does diabetes, what effect does diabetes have on periods? On menstruation, yes.
1: So for a girl being a diabetic, it's it's a bit of a, it's quite a challenge because you're not only just dealing with uh, an, an organ that is not working in your body, you're also having to work with, you know, the fact that you are growing. You are entering mm-hmm. puberty. You are becoming a woman, so there are so many changes in your body that mm-hmm. you have to do. To. Like, for example, you're starting your menstrual cycle for the first time. So, yeah. when I, I I was 13 years old when I started my first period, which was a bit of a shock, but at the same time, uh, it I mean, it is scary for the first time. You know, a girl entering oh yes uh, first
0: mm-hmm. period.
1: It's not it's it's quite challenging because I'm. I'm scared, but I'm more concerned of why the blood is coming. Why is there blood coming? So my mother had to explain that what is happening to me. But the thing is, the most detailed talk I ever got about my period was not from my mother. It was from my father.
0: Oh, (laughs) wow.
1: Yes, you can only imagine that, you know, having to hear from your father, it's both adorable and at the same time, very awkward. But my father was never... But my father was never uncomfortable with this subject because he knew that, you know, you're going to have daughters, you're going to have to be prepared for anything that's to come. So down, coming down, coming to the topic of diabetes and menstruation. Now, you as a woman are diabetic, but you are also having your menstruation, which means you are going to be bleeding for an approximate five to seven days. So you need to be careful that the amount of blood that you are uh, basically, uh, what's the word? the amount of blood that is coming out of your system, of your body, you have to be very careful with your sugar levels because Mm -hmm. during this, uh, the amount of blood you use, the, the amount of blood you lose, the more your sugar level is likely to drop. So during the first two or three days of your period, that's the, that is the most crucial part because you have to be very careful that the amount of blood that is coming out of your body is going to, Affect your sugar level, which means there has been a time that I have had my sugar level just stay low for approximately maybe an hour and a half. And it was so exhausting because I'm still consuming juices after juices just to keep my sugar level high. Even after having lunch, even after having my food, even after having carbs and whatnot, I'm still feeling um, the hypoglycemia. And it's uh, exhausting because it's like your whole energy is being drained out of you it's like your your body goes numb and you can't exactly feel uh, and you're, you can't exactly feel your your senses you know you can't feel like when i'm when i feel like my sugar level is dropping i hear uh, drumming in my ear. i hear like a small a type of vibration oh, in my ears
0: that's important and
1: uh, yeah. yes, that's important and uh, nowadays I've noticed that my but as you grow your symptoms of hypoglycemia change as well so for me it's like you know I hear drumming in my ear but also the vision in my left eye it goes away I can't see anything from my my left eye
0: okay
1: it completely it's completely gets blocked by all these you know these uh, blotches so I can't see I can only see from my right eye so I have to make sure that you know if I'm you know to find my way out I have to just you know be very careful about it and especially during my periods it's the most excruciatingly exhausting thing ever but as I'm growing I am now in control of what I have to do I know what to Mm -hmm. do It's it's basically basically embedded in my brain that yes I'm on my period so I'm gonna have to be careful for the first three days otherwise it's it's going to be fine you never know and these things change the t- the men- your menstruation cycle as it changes and as your body changes your sugar levels also change so it's not exactly a bad thing but it's uh, not also not a good thing because the ba- it's not a bad thing if you are in control of it but it's not a good thing if you are not in control in of control it so you of have it. to be yeah you have to be very careful about this
0: so how do you manage your diabetes on a daily basis i mean talk to me more about more about your diet
1: well uh, my diet back when i was diagnosed it was kind of limited but as i am growing and i am of course pakistan is a very hot and tropical it's a very hot and tropical country so so and there's so much heat here so many doctors that I have consulted with along with my parents they have suggested Mm -hmm. that I stay I stay to a strict protein diet which is brown bread and chicken and whatnot but those kind of foods could only be for those people who have diabetes but are also obese I was not obese and I'm not obese I am petite so for me I would need carbs like good carbs I will need something to keep me going I will need something to give me energy I need some form of glucose I need some form of you know protein so mm-hmm. this situation uh, rather than speaking from a foreign point of view like it's rather than going about what the west is saying try yeah. to see what what because we live in the south try to see what we are trying to uh, how diabetes affects those people who live in hot climates so, for example, if I'm only to stay on a diet of brown bread and protein, then where's the rest of my uh, where's the rest of my calorie intake? What is the rest mm-hmm. of my calorie intake? My uh, so what I have done is like, basically in my life I eat everything. I eat everything, and I mean, and by everything I mean I am allowed to eat what I can and what I want. So, but there are limits to some things. So I can't just go over. The top.
0: So Everything example, in moderation,
1: the, yeah. Moderation. So, if I am to, for example, if I'm to have something like Dal Chawal and uh, with a glass of uh, Lassi, so what, and I'm giving like these, uh, this is an example. Like, for example, there's a plate of Dal Chawal and there is a glass of Lassi, which is an entire meal. And then there's another option, which is a plate of cake with a glass of milk. So, rather, so if I want to just So I can't eat both. So I'd have to choose one. So if I want to, so if I'm having a bit of a sweet tooth, I'll go for the cake. I'll put my insulin. I'll go for the cake and the glass of milk. And that will be my meal. So that's how it is. That's how I made compromises with my meal as well as my mother. Like that's how she is. But nowadays with the weather changing, with everything that's happening, I mean, I eat everything, but in a moderation. And there have been times that I have been very, and Unfortunately, I have not been very uh, good to my body because I I'm, I'm, I'm a junkie. I love eating junk food, and who wouldn't Who wouldn't love? Yeah, exactly.
0: Junk
1: food? It, it's temptation. It, 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 I can't help it. It just tempts me. So I nibble. I what I wherever I find, I nibble, and that's just it. That's how I maintain myself. And I keep getting like you know talks from my. I keep getting like you know scoldings from my mother. Like you're gaining weight, and not in the good way. If you're gonna gain weight, gain it the right <laughs> way. Don't just consume junk and I keep telling her that I'm trying I'm trying she's like well you're not trying hard enough so that's how it is but it's all in good I mean she means well for me and I'm not taking this in a negative light she just means well for me
0: yeah so true so were there any major meltdowns you know wherein you started questioning your reality that why me
1: yes there were sometimes mostly uh, the times when I am you know in a very when I'm in a back when I'm backed up in a corner like for example uh, when COVID happened um it just got to a point that my diabetes of course it was it was still in control but at the same time I wasn't so sure how life would get back to normal because mm-hmm. I, we never we don't know life is very unpredictable and uh, it got to a point where it wasn't just myself, my siblings and I had a meltdown, all three of us together, because we were so overwhelmed with, you know, everything that's changing with, you know, having to stay dormant inside, having to, you know, like uh, limit a few things and going out. It was like, it was like we had become prisoners, but overall, I can't, I'm not going to say that I'm a victim or anything. People had it worse than us. Mm-hmm. People were going through worse things than us. So the meltdowns were just what probably nothing compared to what other people were going through doing COVID. But overall, the mental toll it took on us, it was, it was pretty hard, especially, you know, for my sister and me, I mean, having to deal with, you know, going through a depressive phase, but the one thing that basically helped us through this was the support of our parents, because our parents, they were also going through some stuff and honestly having to, you know, keep it together for our sake is what is what made it you know it is what made us stronger it it's it got to a point where you know we started enjoying each other's company so so much like we would spend afternoons in our balcony we would do small bonfires and we would make uh, tea and we would you know we would have tea on the terrace and everything was just you know this beca- it became our daily routine but at the same time, We were hopeful that, yes, this thing is going to end. end. But we still have to be very cautious. We have to take precautions. We can't just, you know, (laughs) happen because it did happen. And coming to an exception, especially with my diabetes and, you know, coming to terms with, you know, that wide me, I never questioned it. I it I thought of it as a mission that... God has given me a second chance in life, so if I'm going to go through with it, then I might as well go through with it, otherwise, I'll just you know, I'll just be a shut in and never speak about it. Mm -hmm. But I chose to do the opposite,
0: so I would say that you were strong enough.
1: But how can one person stay too strong? I mean, you know, you can't just keep you know, staying strong there are times where you just have to let it out and when you let it out it's such a relieving feeling it is such a re- relieving feeling because i uh, it's it come down to this it's come down to this that even though i do live my li- live a different life than others i'm everything is normal Everything is normal for me. I sometimes even, you know, my brother sometimes forgets, you know, that he's diabetic. So he's like, oh, I just remembered I'm diabetic. I have to put my insulin and stuff like that. But for me, it was never like that. I was always aware that I had diabetes. So I have to be very cautious of what I do, especially, you know, in certain things. So even if things were limited for me, my mother would always tell me something. And that is, "manka ka ho to acha, na ho to zyada acha." and she said if it's meant to be it's meant to be if not then it's even better and worse has beautiful. done good to
0: us beautiful, Can you imagine? beautiful beautiful so are there any struggles which you have to go through every day because of your diabetes
1: mostly work related because i have had my fair share of you know uh, struggles when it comes to work especially because you know having to do I'm not a very more I'm not a morning person first and foremost I'm not a morning person so doing a nine to five so it's very doing a nine to five job is very difficult for me so if I to go to the office or you know any other place I work at nine o'clock and then come home by five o'clock it's it's pretty it's uh, not exactly a a beds and it's not a bed of roses uh, like my parents have always said, life is not a bed of roses. So you have to, you know, go through the hardships in life to in to make sure that, you know, yeah, this is the reality. This is the reality of life. There will be hard times, but those hard times will become good times. So in time, um, you know, having to Sometimes I feel like, you know, my diabetes kind of limited limits me in some areas, especially in work, because, you know, if I'm in the middle of doing something like mostly because my job is I'm an illustrator. So if I'm illustrating and all of a sudden my vision starts going blur, that's the that's my uh, that's the signal that, oh, my sugar level is dropping. I have to eat something. So it takes time for my sugar level to settle in. So I need to take a, like a little bit of a power nap to you know make sure that my s- sugar level just you know comes back to normal, and then i'm I'm fresh and I can you know get back to work. It kind of does affect me in the working field, but overall, I don't consider it a burden because this is my this is my condition, this is my body. so if I'm not going to look after my body, then what's going to happen? No one is going to look after it.
0: Also I love your spirit, I have to tell you so thank what are some of thank you i mean thanks you should thank yourself that you know you have such a beautiful you're, you're like so beautiful and i just I, love your spirit I, it's thanks
1: to my parents my parents have always been like this it's thanks oh, to yeah. my spirit parents
0: so what are some of your concrete learnings
1: uh concrete learnings about
0: because of your diabetes
1: well, I've learned that. Okay, from a well, concrete learnings. Well, let's just say um, I don't handle stress very well. I'm not a. I'm not a very stressed. I okay. don't. I do not like. I do not like being put into a situation where I'm not in control. So yeah, just the normal things like you know. But overall, uh, as long as it does not affect me mentally and also like you know bodily, then I guess I'm fine with that. Otherwise, I. Uh, I'm learning everything uh, every new thing every day mm-hmm. I'm learning uh, for example like what I've, ex- what I've explained to you regarding when my sugar level goes down and my I lose vision in my left eye I've also started feeling symptoms that you know my my uh, the teeth sorry not my teeth sorry my tongue goes numb like I can't I can't taste anything and it's not like COVID related or anything it's literally a symptom of hypoglycemia when your sugar level is dropping my mm-hmm. tongue goes numb lips go numb i get aches and pains in my legs uh i have i get very cranky i get i get very agitated and i get very annoyed easily and no one likes to see me when i'm annoyed nobody likes to see me when i'm annoyed
0: <laughs> so
1: and anger is one of my m- main accomplishments like anger i as a child i was a very i was always angry I was. Oh, oh, sorry
0: sorry about that that
1: happens. as a as a child i was always always angry because you know i mean w- w- if i never got my way i throw a tantrum if i was you know if i was denied anything i would throw a tantrum just normal ch- child stuff but the anger that i felt mostly was you know the fact that i was always picked on even as a child i was picked on like oh look at this her fingers are so weird oh look at this her nose is so unusual i mean mostly from you know uh, relatives and whatnot I mean even as a baby you're being judged like you know when you grow up especially as a baby and having to have people in your family say that oh you know look at that her nose is so unusual who does she go on who does he go on I mean this is not a beauty contest this is a this is a baby for god's sakes this is a baby who's just come into this world and you're already judging her because of exactly. the way she looks I was I my mother but the thing is, my mother never let it get to her. My mother was, you know, always with a always always had to come back for you know ev- any something like this happened. And uh, the one thing I remember was that they would always call me one word, and that was Pinocchio, which was which was of course a oh. a name they made up because of Pinocchio. And I love Disney. Disney is one of my favorite uh, favorite uh, uh, things in the in the world. And Disney is what helped me, you know, make myself you know, uh, uh, in a way, it kind of molded me. And I have to thank Disney for that because my mother, what she would do is that she would buy those uh, videotapes and uh, Little Mermaid was the first uh, Disney movie that, so no, Pinocchio was the first Disney movie I saw. And there were subtitles in the uh, VHS. So Mm -hmm. So I would read those subtitles rather than look at the cartoon. I would read the subtitles. And by the age of four, I was already reading on my own. I would have a book in my hand. I would be reading words that even that most normal four-year-olds won't be able to grasp. I'm not saying that I'm some kind of, you know, a prodigy or anything. It just happened. And this is because of my mother's efforts. So they would call me Pinocchio okay. because I always watch Pinocchio. But what it uh, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter to me now i am a better person i am better than them and i don't uh, take whatever criticism they have to heart because i know myself i know i am a better person and i know i can be better
0: so as a nine year old you know who got diagnosed with diabetes and when the society came into you know come in, comes into being so how did you deal with all those comments coming in that who is going to marry you? Some, did you receive any of these comments, firstly? And secondly, like, if yes, how did you deal with all of these comments that, okay, who is going to marry her and everything, you know, that comes with it? Okay, when you
1: are diagnosed with diabetes and being a woman in a brown society, being a diabetic woman in a brown society, it gets overwhelming to not just you know the family that you are with but also yourself so there were times that many people that I knew would tell my mother that you know don't tell anyone about my condition because you know if word gets out that she has this condition then they will not there's a chance that she won't you know be able to find a suitable husband Mm -hmm. she won't find a good go-to and that's what triggered my mother the most that's what really you know pushed her buttons she said no if what happened what if she makes friends and what if she goes to a friend's house and then all of a sudden her sugar level drops and they have no idea what to do what do you suggest what do you suggest and they said no 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 it's for the bet, for her betterment and then my mother mm-hmm. says is it for her or for your betterment <laughs> that's the question so they didn't have an answer for that and it became clear that every time my mother would talk to people about me that I have this condition, first thing they say is, hi, Bichari. I am not someone pitied. I am not someone that requires, you know, to feel that, oh, I need validation for this. I do not need anyone's validation. I do not need anyone's pity. I do not need anyone's sympathy. I am like this because my mother fought for me about this. My father also fought about this. And... This kind of thing is a huge, huge stigma and myth because the last thing you want to do is make the girl so vulnerable that she has to hide herself from society and she has mm-hmm. to blame herself. That just because I have this doesn't mean I'm going. It means I'm not going to move any further. I'm can't not going to. More. Cross- yes,
0: I'm, I can't. I'm not-
1: Times are changing. This is not the 1950s or the 1960s. This is, the 20, this is literally the 21st century. And it's about high time that people get off of their high horses. Because if they think that they know everything, they have a lot to learn.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Because this is just about them. This is about the girl you're talking about. I don't feel that, you know, so what if I don't get married? It's not the end of the world. There's a time and place for everything. And it also has to do with the fact that if I am ready or if any of the other girl is ready, you know, to settle down, to start a family. There are so many stories I've heard. And many women who have this condition have also come forward to me saying that, yeah, my parents were very reluctant on, you know, telling my future in-laws that I have this condition. But I told them, no, I'm going to make the best of it. And I'm going to now. And most of them are mothers. They, they, They have children who do not have diabetes. So they understand, like, you know, the the kind of uh, label that they p- put on you, especially in this society, which is really, really sad. It's really sad and very degrading to young girls all over the world.
0: As I always, as I just already said that I love your spirit, girl. I love it. So Thank you. Uh, you know what message at the end because we are all already nearing the end of the episode so what message would you pass on would you like pass on like to pass on to people who are struggling with uh, you know accepting themselves with diabetes
1: my message to not just the women young girls young boys who have this condition women men my message to you is be yourself be beautiful. Don't take anyone's criticism to heart. I understand the world is a cruel place, mm-hmm. but you as a person can make it better. It's your mission to make it better for not just yourself, for your family, for your pets, for your future, uh, future children or your future uh, family. It's all up to you. So you don't have to take the negativity. Be positive. Guess- Be positive. Be... Oh, sorry.
0: In the middle
1: of an interview. <laughs> Sorry, my sister came in with me <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. Humans, it's okay. after all, happens.
1: Yeah. So yeah. Anyways, like I said, this is your life. Live it the way you want. Don't take others' uh, words and just live with it. Be your own person. Because if you're not, then what's the use? The ball is in your court, go for it.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you so much for being a part of my podcast. I thoroughly enjoyed, thoroughly enjoyed talking to you.
1: Thank you me so much a-
0: for being here. Thank you so much for being here. Thank so you guys, so much, Ruman. You're so welcome, lady. You're so welcome. So guys, if you have any story to share, Please reach out to me. Please, please feel free to reach out to me at life happens for real at gmail.com. This is your host, Roman, signing off for now. Thank you so much for tuning in.